Brands. Retail. Content and design. Brand activation. Data. And technology. Experiential marketing. The Brandemonium Podcast. Hi, this is Dan from Gwyn Sound coming to you from Brandemonium in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the next guest on our show is Mr. Kyle Schlegel, the Global Marketing Director of Wilson Sporting Goods. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Dan. Yeah, Excited good. to be here. It's good to have you, man. It's great to see you again. Yeah, you too. It sounds like things have been wonderful in your world the last several years, huh? It's been a, it's been a good run. It's been a lot of fun, but it's also really fun to come home to Cincinnati, which I didn't grow up here, but certainly spent a lot of time here, and it's it feels like home. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, you spent some time yeah. at Procter & Gamble, um, and uh, let's talk about a little bit how that experience prepared you kind of for what you're doing now. Sure. Yeah, I was uh, at P&G for 13 years, and... You know, right out of college into market research there, which was a really great start. Um, you know, you hear a lot, consumer is boss, mm-hmm. uh, and no better place to start at P&G than getting to know the consumer on a day-to-day basis, yeah. and then had the opportunity to move over to brand management and uh, work across Old Spice and Secret and Herbal Essences and Aussie, and yeah. uh, you know, I've found that what I've been taught there, you can really take anywhere in the world, uh, any type of business, any any business challenge you might have, and uh, it's it's applicable everywhere. Uh, yeah. So it was a great starting. Outstanding. Yeah. Um, so you were you you were a sports fan growing up, right? It says in your bio. <laughs> uh, you also played sports. I did as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, I played a lot of sports myself, um, and so I know from experience now finally getting to the point where I, I own a recording studio and a music and sound agency. Yeah. It's such a wonderful feeling to have be able to have your life's passion or part of your passion also be your work. So was this intentional, something that you wanted to eventually get to in your career? Or did it just kind of, it, it popped up and you were like, I love sports, I want to do this? I would say it was a little bit of both. Uh, I, you know, I knew over time at, at PNG, I, I a guy who loves sports can only get so excited about women's hair care for so long, right? Uh, and, and I certainly, I had convinced myself I was passionate about it. I was passionate about the work we were doing and what we were trying to achieve. Uh, but each night I went home and the first thing I did was turned on ESPN and or went in the ball, you know, went in the driveway and shot hoops. Or mm-hmm. So there was always this other side of my life and I, I couldn't figure out, I, didn't, I don't know if I knew how to put them together, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. And I uh, sat down with a mentor for lunch one day and he asked more or less the what do you want to do when you grow up and I said well I've got these two worlds I've got my work world and and what I'm passionate outside and I I really don't know how to put them together Mm -hmm. he said that's funny I got a call this morning about a job down in Louisville you know starting and leading the marketing department for Louisville Slugger would you want to know more and Mm -hmm. I I think I blacked out at that point (laughs) (laughs) but when I came to I was handing my resume and uh and he put me in touch and I, I I can't ask for more I I realized that I was passionate about the work that I was doing mm-hmm. before, but now I'm passionate about really all aspects of, of the, the role and the companies I'm working for. Sure. Yeah. That's neat. Um, is there something or was there something that uh, kind of, once you got into, uh, so Louisville Slugger and then, uh, which was acquired by Wilson, mm-hmm. right? Um, was there something that, that you can draw back from, from you know your your childhood playing sports and being a sports fan. Do you do you think that it helps you in your role to be so to have been so kind of ingrained in sports growing up? And what what can you make any parallels? Sure, I, yeah. I think there's a couple of things. I I think one is certainly the teamwork mm-hmm. dynamic that right. exists. Um, I think you learn things in a locker room and a dugout on a sideline that uh, I don't think there's any other way to learn those things in life. Uh, and so. I do feel like the culture is a bit different inside of a sporting goods company than um, P and G and others. There's, I think, there's truly this genuine 
feeling that um, you know I don't care if I if I get the credit as long as we get it done as a team. So mm-hmm. I, I think I learned that on a ball field, right? And uh, so I think that's one part of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just thinking back to my childhood, there's you know there's these moments that you think of the um, and so we look forward to you know I, I, we cheering on our athletes, right? That's mm-hmm. a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, I think the other piece is that uh, I found in sports that the industry is much more driven by relationships than what I had experienced before this. Yeah. Uh, so there's certainly money involved, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it comes down to, can you relate to the people? Can you find a common goal mm-hmm. um, between you? And so I think sports is a, is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really enjoy, you know, being alongside others that love the sport. I have to be able to walk into a room. I didn't grow up playing tennis. I didn't play professionally. I didn't play in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I spend my life right now. Mm-hmm. And I need to be able to talk the talk. I need to be able to be relevant in a, in a room, in a conversation, on a court. Yeah. Um, so I think growing up in sports is, was invaluable to that. Yeah. Wow. And racket sports. I mean, there's more than meets the eye. I mean, right? I mean, you've got tennis. Yeah. There's racquetball. There's now paddle. There's this thing called pickleball. <laughs> there's all these things that I'm like, these sound really fun. Yeah. You know? And, and that's just the U.S. <laughs> that's just the U.S. There you go. Uh, squash, right? Yeah, squash. Um, so, so that's a big business, huh? I mean, it, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It, I, what I really like is it's very global as well. Uh, you know, coming from the baseball world, loved every second of it. Uh, and now the U.S. is only about a third of our business. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when two-thirds of the business comes from somewhere else, you've got to spend some time there. You've got to engage with consumers there, with our teams there. Mm-hmm. So I love the global nature of that. Uh, admittedly, about 95% of my time is spent on tennis. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun to, to see badminton, for instance. I, yeah. For me, badminton is something you play at you know, family reunions, and mm-hmm. it's actually the biggest sport in Asia. So uh, wow. it's, uh, it's fun to, to kind of see the world, and, and especially the sporting world, through some different lenses. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Wilson, such an iconic American brand, mm-hmm. such a, uh, and synonymous with, with sports. Uh, has been for a long time. I remember my first gol- golf bag I got from uh, Costco, and it was a big. It was a Wilson golf bag, and I was like super proud of that thing. That W <laughs> on the side, you know, red W. And um, I wonder how that translates to in, in other countries. I mean, how do how do how does it? What does the brand look like globally? And how how do consumers in other countries feel about the brand? I, I think that's the exciting. Sp- uh, part about working on tennis yeah. is you go to a lot of other countries uh, and they view it as a tennis brand. Uh, in, the, in the U.S., certainly if you're a tennis player, you view it, view it as a tennis brand. Mm-hmm. But if you're a football player, that football that you have in your hand is a, is a Wilson football. Yeah. You play baseball and it's a Wilson ball glove. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it has a more singular meaning in mm-hmm. other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, but hey, when Roger Federer walks onto a court with a, a Wilson red tennis bag uh, around mm-hmm. the world, uh, people take notice. And so they view it not necessarily as their home brand. Um, it's still an American brand, um, mm-hmm. but they do very much relate it directly to the sport and a, a sport that's very relevant to them. There aren't a lot of local brands in tennis. They're mo- mostly global brands, and, mm-hmm. and Wilson, for most consumers, is the first one that comes to mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, you talked about the importance of relationships in, in building the business at, at Wilson. Mm-hmm. Coming from a more kind of traditional marketing background where it was, you know, it's really just it was a lot of a lot of math as well, right? <laughs> I'm I'm aware. <laughs> uh, how does this role kind of kind of I guess differ, and how do you as a marketer kind of like I don't know either accentuate the relationship part of it? Uh, how how do you 
how do you think about it as, as a marketer since it's not just you know, putting stuff out there that the consumer is going to respond to. It feels like you have to serve a couple of different masters. I, there are, and we take collaborations very seriously at Wilson. We're, we're doing a lot more of those lately. Um, there's a lot of places that we can borrow a little equity and, and our partner can borrow a little equity from us as well. Mm-hmm. We just did a, a launch with Forever 21 um, in most of their stores around the world, carried a Wilson line of uh, clothing for a six or eight week period. And mm-hmm. it was super exciting to get together with a partner like that, that we have tons of respect for, does a great job every day talking to a consumer that, that we'd love to talk to every day, that team yeah. consumer. Yeah. Um, and you know, they were looking for, you, you mentioned our history, they were looking for something that was a bit of a throwback, had some heritage, some classic feel to it, mm-hmm. um, and then introducing that into the world of fast fashion. So that was very much a relationship. You know, our athlete relationships are, are critical, right? That they don't, they don't just show up at the shoot for two hours a, a year and, and call it a day. We, we have a genuine relationship with them, which I would say is different than what I experienced in CPG. You know, mm-hmm. we had brand ambassadors, mm-hmm. but it was a different relationship. Here, you know, I, if you'd have told me years ago this would be the case, but when I see Roger Federer, he asks how my daughter's doing. Um, and there's a genuine relationship there that uh, I think is really powerful. Yeah. And we need to take seriously. We need to build into that every day. We need to know, that's part of what I'm talking about here at Brandemonium is how do you really know your brand ambassador? How do you really build that relationship and keep it fresh over time? Um, and so I think that's different than what I experienced before getting into the sporting goods space. Sure. Yeah. Relationships? Are you are you making some connections here at Brandemonium, and how's the conference going? We are. It's, it's again. It's fun to come back to Cincinnati. There's certainly a lot of folks that um, I see that I that I've known for years and haven't seen in a while. So there's uh, there's that side of it, and then I love meeting new folks as well. I um, I'm genuinely curious. I'm in one of those phases where you just feel kind of lit up inside to go learn new things and, and connect with new folks. And yeah. so this this event's perfect for that. Outstanding. Yeah. Is there something that wasn't in your professional bio that, that our listeners should know about you? Wow. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think one of the things that is always uh, pulling at me a little bit, and I, I considered it at, at another point, is, mm-hmm. is going from kind of the business world to the philanthropy world as mm-hmm. well. Uh, we were very involved when we lived here in Cincinnati and, and yeah. Crossroads Church. And, yeah. Um, so that's still a big part of our lives, and mm-hmm. uh, I've been very involved with Make-A-Wish um, and on the board at Make-A-Wish. And Wonderful. So I, there's always that pulling at your heartstrings a little bit of, mm-hmm. hey, it's, it's great to go look at the balance sheet at work and, and do what we do every day. Yeah. Um, very blessed to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, but you always kind of wonder, is there something more out there that would make a bigger difference, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's to, to one person or, or many people. So yeah. I would say that's something always in the back of my mind for sure, but uh, hey, nothing beats getting off the train and going home at night and, and hugging my wife and daughter. So yeah, that's the biggest part. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. So, so you got cast from the, from the Louisville Slugger brand, right? Mm-hmm. Then into, into Wilson. Mm-hmm. And was there a reason that they, they, they put you in charge of the racket sports or was it just like that was an opening? Was it, what was it? Yeah, I, it was a long conversation actually. So there was a, a kind of a three month period where I was transitioning the Louisville Slugger business in and, mm-hmm. and helping build the relationships, transfer yeah. the relationships, things yeah. like that. Uh, and they, uh, we had a conversation just about what would you want to do? Would you want to stay at Wilson? Would you not? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was in one of those bold moments where I'm like, okay, well, the racket sports business is really global. I like that side of it. Yeah. It's the biggest business. I like that side of oh, it. Cool. Um, and so I was just very bold with the president and said, hey, if there's any way that I could have that role, um, would love to do that. Would love to lead marketing for that. If not, I understand. And 
I'll go do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, luckily he called me one Friday night and said, cheers if you want it. And I uh, jumped at the opportunity. Nice. Congratulations again. Thank you. What's the fastest growing racket sport in the world? Fastest growing racket sport. Wow. In the U.S. it is pickleball. Okay. Uh, in Europe, there's a sport called padel that started in Spain. I was wondering. I thought and, maybe you just spelled paddle wrong. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. P-A-D-E-L. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's funny. They pronounce it paddle in most countries in Europe, which yeah. gets very confusing for us in the U.S. that play paddle. Um, but uh, that it, it's growing incredibly in Europe. And uh, in Spain, it's now multiple times the size of the tennis industry. Uh, wow. Super fun sport to play. If you really? get a chance, go check it out. Okay. <laughs> Padel. Padel, yeah. Wild. Okay. <laughs> um, we're a music and sound agency, and we have recording studios in downtown Cincinnati. So we're. You're not going to ask me to sing, are you? Uh, I don't. You're not going to? No. Okay. I'm not, no. Okay, well, that'd be better up for our... your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to move on to some other music related question. Um, other than that, okay, so um, how does Wilson think about the incorporation of music in, in their advertising and what they do? Or, or do they? Right. Very funny that you mentioned that. Okay. We just launched a campaign this summer called Play Your Heart Out. Okay, neat. And it was all built on the idea of there's an inherent soundtrack in the sport of tennis that people know. The cracking open of a tennis ball can, the bouncing of the ball, the straightening of the strings. Yeah. And so uh, we got together with a producer named Money Mark that had worked with, uh, you know, several uh, bands and, and artists, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, most recently the Beastie Boys. And we got him mm-hmm. and Roger Federer together and recorded Roger opening cans, hitting tennis balls, bouncing balls, and uh, put our own soundtrack of the sport together and, and launched that earlier this summer. So. It's funny that you ask because we literally just did that. Wonderful. And, Congrats. Uh, you know, there's this, this moment when you open a tennis ball can. I think we've all probably done it and you know the sound um, that immediately conjures up a moment to place a, an sure. experience. And yeah. so as best we knew how to do, we, mm-hmm. we tried to get that recorded and, uh, and shared with our, our fans out there. Neat. That smell really kind of comes to mind. That too. too doesn't it almost hard to record, but it was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, very They're iconic working on for that. sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Kyle, uh, thanks uh, for being on the podcast. I yeah. really appreciate you spending the time and it's great to see you again. And my good, pleasure. Good luck. It's um, good, to, good to be home. <laughs> I'll, I'll bet it is. Thanks very much. Yeah. Take care. <laughs>